Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. We are live. Episode four of Live Happily Ever Awesome. Thanks for joining. We are here with Julie Rappaport, PACT certified therapist, counselor, helping couples sort of get that special something back um, or just keep it if they have it, right? Yeah. So today we are good, talking- great. What's that? I said make something good, great. There you go. I like that. Um, you, you are, is it snowing where you are? Yes. What's, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> yeah, they closed down uh, schools and rec centers. And I mean, it's, oh, it's just funny. There's like, you know, winter storm warning, but it's really not. It's not, I mean, it's snowing, right? It's Colorado. So it's Colorado. Yeah. You think they, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, it's like the weather forecast comes around and it's like winter warning and then it, everything gets shut down. Yeah. I hear so. the sky's falling. Yeah. Well, yeah. today's episode is called, are you a team player or a solo operator? Yeah. When we first talked about titles for this one, um, you and I got into a discussion because I didn't understand sort of what you were trying to get at. So why don't you explain a little bit about what you were starting with, what sort of the idea was that sparked this title, and then we'll get into what it all means. Uh, Well, I think it comes from my work with clients um, when they come into my office and they're... um, they're talking about certain struggles or certain, um, even even if they're trying to work something out, sometimes they just have uh, a hard time collaborating, um, working it out as a team, I would say. Uh, they kind of go into more uh, single, single um, unit, thinking and then it becomes me against you. And uh, so that's one aspect of it. And then another aspect is, uh, you know, we talked in a previous episode about some attachment and there's the, you know, we talked about the anxious attachment and avoidant attachment and, um, each are, um, how would I say self uh, self serving um, strategies? Uh, they what are, do you mean uh, by that? They're more of a one person system thinking. Um, they are out to you know it was a survival strategy when they were young, and so then as they grow up and in their intimate relationship each are uh, kind of concerned still about how do they work and how do they get satisfied and how do they get love and how do they uh, survive really. And yet 
one, uh, the anxious, anxious attached individual um, is, is all about, is more about external gratification, external processing, meaning uh, if there's something going on for them, they want to talk about it. They want to process it. They want to uh, have their partner as a somebody to bounce things off of. They want to include their partner. They are all about their partner because if they 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 kind of they grew up having usually having to take care of um, a primary caregiver or to grow up too fast, and so. They are about if that my primary caregiver is okay and I take care of them and make them okay, then I'm more apt to get my needs met. So mm -hmm. it is, it looks very uh, team oriented because they're thinking about other, but it's, it's in the service of the self um, and it can be very self-abandoning. In, in a way too, because they are all about other and they're, they don't really know how to regulate themselves. They don't really know how to be by themselves. Um, mm. It's a, it's a harder time. They have a harder time being with just themselves. They are all about other. So it can look more team for focused, but it, it underneath it, it's um, it's very individualistic. Whereas the avoidant attached individual usually comes from a place of neglect in their childhood, uh, spent a lot of time alone, coped with life that way, uh, you know, kind of went off and, you know, if you're spend a lot of time as alone, alone as a kid, you're, you are taking care of yourself. You are finding ways to entertain yourself. You are, um, you know, you, you might play video games or might go into a fantasy world. You might, you know, read, you might, whatever it is that you're doing, but it's very, it's all about, I take care of me and no, because nobody else is going to. And so it becomes naturally. So it becomes a little bit, um, and this gets a bad rap, but I'm going to use the word anyway, but it's, uh, it's selfish. Um, and rightfully so they have to be that way because nobody else is taking care of them but they become more self-centered because of that. And so as a result, when it comes to um, working in a system, a two-person system, they can tend to default to, I just take care of myself. And so it definitely looks like they're a solo operator. Um, and so oftentimes the anxious if they're paired up with, if an avoidant is paired up with more anxious attached individual, there is a rub um, because the anxious attached individual has a much easier time wanting to collaborate, wanting to include the other person, wanting to work as a team. That's their natural orientation. Um, but the it's not natural for the avoidant. And so uh, then they can default to solo operator, which then leaves the anxious avoidant, it's called the well, anxiously attached individual, feeling like they're on their own, feeling like they don't have a teammate, feeling like they have to do it all themselves, and which is a replay of their childhood. And they are, they got really resentful as a kid in their childhood because they got ripped off. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't get to be a kid. 
And uh, now they're in a relationship again where they have to do it all themselves and they're resentful. So it, it becomes a, it's a common, common uh, dynamic that I see. Hmm. So the, the avoidant and the anxious often have the issues when they're coupled together. I'm sorry, say that again. The, the, the avoidant attached and the anxious attached are sort of opposites, but when they, when they come together, it's like one is trying to be collaborative, but they come off as a solo operator. And so that's where the rub is. Um, One is trying to be collaborative because that's how they're oriented. Mm -hmm. They are oriented outside. Uh, And the other, you know, in times of stress, that one is, is more like reaching over the, over the, you know, what's it called? I can't even think of the reaching over to, you know, extend an olive branch and like work together more often. And uh, the avoidant is more often like, I just take care of me, you take care of you, and we'll be good. Um, Hmm. And doesn't understand it. There's a lot of misunderstanding of each individual, but um, the avoidant doesn't understand why the anxiously attached individual can't just take care of themselves. Yeah. And so they then, you know, think they're needy, think they're, you know, um, and the other person, the anxious attached is like, why are you so selfish? Why do you only think of yourself? Why do you? So that's the kind of common dynamic. Interesting. So Judy says here that her daughter is like this. Um, I think she's talking about the um, anxious attached. attached. Mm-hmm. She'll learn it from me. She worries about everyone more than herself. Getting validation from everyone else around is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a common, common theme. Yeah, I mean, the it, it is and it's, it's not a it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, a blessing and a curse, you know, it's, it's really, I'm sure her daughter is extremely empathetic. I'm sure she can, you know, really uh, tend to people's needs and, and uh, be there for others. Um, but it's at the sake of self. And so it's the work is like, how can she, how can she kind of come home to herself and be okay and find some self validation? How can she be okay when she doesn't get that from other? How can she, when everything in her body wants to go and process with somebody else, can she work that edge and be like, no, I'm just going to hunker down, wrap myself in a blanket and, um, and just breathe and find my own sense of um, what do I want to say of, of self-soothing really. Mm-hmm. Are there strategies that you recommend for people that are, are in that kind of mindset or attachment style that can sort of get out of it or at least learn to become a team player when they need to be? Well, with the anxious uh, attached individual, it's uh, they are oriented to work as more of a team because they just, that's how they think. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's their orientation. That's um, it's much harder for them to be an individual and kind of think of themselves. 
Um, and, and so that's the work for them is learning how to, um, sometimes if I were working with individuals with this attachment style, um, when I would, would work with individuals, it would be, I would give them the assignment of, okay, I want you to, you know, this week, I want you to just choose three different times to say no to Mm -hmm. somebody when they ask you to do something or can you do this or will you do this or, you know, and even if you can do it or want to do it, that you actually just choose that at a time that you're practicing saying no. And then what happens for them, there's going to be a somatic response with all of that because there's this panic of like, if I don't say yes, I'm not X, you know, I'm not going to be liked. I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to, whatever it is. And so sitting with that feeling and somatic feeling and breathing and because it is going to feel to their nervous system, if this was a way that they cope to survive, then not doing it, i.e. saying no, um, is going to feel in their nervous system as though they're going to die. They're not going to survive. And so they really have to just breathe into that. And, you know, maybe they can journal with that and really just, the. but the more uh, they do that and practice that and sit with it and, and kind of work with it, the more resiliency they get in terms of being like, it might feel initially the, or like, you know, the first couple months that they're doing it, that they're going to die. And as they build that, what's called the window of tolerance, then they get, you know, it's like building a muscle. They're like, oh, I'm not going to die. I, this is just uncomfortable or, you know, it gets, it titrates. Hmm. Okay. And so what, what kind of things do you recommend for the people that are um, not the anxious attached, but the other ones? The avoidant. Avoidant attached. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, it's kind of pointing out that how they, uh, how they survived, that it's a natural inkling for them to just default to, uh, you know, and again, selfishness, but it is, it's like, they had to be selfish. And so it's like, of course, it's understandable. It's not a bad thing. Thank God they did that because otherwise they wouldn't be here. Um, However, it doesn't bode well in a two-person system. It's, you know, that's the rub. And for them, it's more like, listen, you can, if you want to go and if you're going to default to that every single time, um, then you're going to have an upset partner um, who's going to feel abandoned and that's not going to go well for you. So if you, if you aren't willing to change that, if you're not willing to work that edge and really um, be a team player, then your best bet is to just, you know, why be in a relationship, first of all? And second of all, your best bet is to, if you don't want to deal with somebody being angry all the time, you just go, go be a solo operator on your own. Um, and so it's it, it, the concept of, of you know, everybody – most, I would say most everybody understands what it means to be on a team. Either they've been one, you know, on one at work or on a sports team, or they've watched sports or some, you know, they have that concept. Um, But for some reason, when we get into our, you know, intimate relationship and those attachment systems are at play, 
um, it's like that all falls by the wayside and people forget how to, that they actually need to do this in order to, you know, have a winning season. Um, you know, and oftentimes I might, uh, ask <laughs> clients who are having a hard time with this or having a hard time collaborating and being a team of like, would you, would you place bets on your team to win this season? Like, or would you be like, heck no, you know, absolutely not. This is a, you know, you're never going to win. If you just take, you have a plan in place and then you just take the ball and do whatever you want because you're the, more of a solo operator, you're never going to win, right? You, it's just a failing season and you might as well just scrap it. Um, coaches get fired for that stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned uh, that sometimes you see clients um, by themselves. Is that is that fairly common when you have couples coming, whether it's by prescription from you to say, hey, I think we need to work separately first or during these group sessions, or do you often get like one partner coming with the other partner not coming ever? So let me clarify. Um, okay. Before I became uh, and just practiced as a couples therapist, I saw individuals. Um, okay. when I, when I see a couple, I only see the couple because the couple system is my client. I cannot, I do not ever see a person on their own. Um, mm, I, okay. I will refer them out. There are couples therapists that do that. Um, I, I don't, I don't ever want to know anything more than the couple. Um, I don't mm -hmm. ever want, I, I, it's very important if I'm going to do any individual type work, you know, um, sometimes we do that. Um, if somebody has a lot of trauma or something comes up in the session where I'm having to work just with one individual, it's really important to have the partner there because they are experiencing this in their marriage or, or couplehood relationship they are experiencing either these things that I'm that I'm working with or they're experiencing the fallout of it or whatever. So having that, having them be a part of that is really important. And there's also sometimes it all goes all the way back, you know, to the attachment of the person's childhood, in which case it informs the partner of like, Oh, right. This, I get it. This is where it comes from. And this is how I've added to it. And, and, and so there's a lot of, it's just so rich to have both parties there. Um, there are times when I will want somebody to have a little bit extra support outside of our couple sessions, which then I might recommend an individual therapist, or if one person has an individual therapist and the other person doesn't, I oftentimes will recommend that the other person get one just so each person has kind of their own advocate. Um, mm -hmm. You know, having an individual therapist is like having somebody that's on your side. Yeah. So, Do you think everyone should have a therapist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should is a strong word. I think uh, everyone could benefit from having a therapist. Everybody could. Uh, and I'm even more of an advocate of, and this, you know, of course could be my bias, but I'm more of an advocate of if you're in a relationship, you should have a couples therapist. Um, sure. It's just to think that two people would not have any issues come up that were raised completely in different households and different environments and different 
cultures and different, you know, it, it's, it, and it would just magically happen. It's just kind of silly. Um, so I think yeah. getting support is always good. It kind of brings a, a, a new level of credence to arranged marriages when you think about it. Right. Yeah. Like perfectly selected, or at least from a, from an upbringing perspective, socioeconomic, those things, you can't guarantee that just because somebody has, you know, lives the same way that they have that same attachment style necessarily. But it's kind of interesting that you, that that is oftentimes successful in certain cultures. Well, I mean, it, what it, I think it points to is that, you know, a lot of times I will ask couples when they're in my office of like, why are you two together? <laughs> um, and it's amazing how, you know, people just kind of are shocked by that question because, um, you know, it's like, well, why? Like, of course we're just together, you know, and they oftentimes will say, because we love one another. Um, and love is just, it's, you know, unfortunately it's not enough. Like this is, uh, yeah. on some level, this is a survival I mean, not on some level, but it is a survival unit. This is how people survive. They take care of one another. They, um, you know, it's like if somebody goes to the hospital, their partner is there to help them and take care of them. And, you know, it's like, well, you survive this way together. And if you don't take care of one another, you will, you will um, bear the repercussions of that. And, uh, you know, way back when, if you, we were like, if they were the only two people there in, on the earth and there were woolly mammoths around, like they wouldn't give a shit about any of this stuff that maybe they fight about. They would only be, how can we survive against this woolly mammoth? And it's the same stuff today, but we have lots of other bells and whistles and distractions and, and comforts and, you know, luxuries that distract us from that very point. So coming back to the arranged marriage, it's like, it doesn't have to be love like that can grow, that can develop, or it doesn't necessarily have to, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in something where I didn't love somebody, but, you know, but it's not a requirement to have it be successful. Um, it's so much more of how do you work as a team? How do you survive and take care of one another? How do you make life good for one another? How do you make life easy for one another? So um, I think that's a big reason why those can work so well. Yeah. Gosh, says you can love someone, but if they don't make your life easier by existing alongside you and supporting you, they ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can be it, but yes, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not as fun. All right. So what else can we say about this team player collaborator thing? If I'm, if I'm one or the other, can I, can I easily sort of be, I, I assume collaboration is the goal, right? Yes. Team player. So solo yes. operator, no bueno. We want to, we want to try to fix that. Um, collaborator is great. As long as you're not completely selling yourself short or I guess leaving yourself out at the expense of helping other people in that like over collaboration role. Yeah. It's more like losing oneself. Losing um, yourself. 
you know, it's, it, it, so this goes back to uh, like interregulation or co-regulation. So interregulation or interdependency um, oftentimes can get confused with codependency. Codependency would be more what the um, anxious attached is prone towards is I'll take care of you at the expense of me. Um, it's all mm -hmm. about you. Um, and we, we're not advocating for that. We're, we're advocating for, yes, you take care of one another, but you also have an onus of responsibility on yourself. So it's interdependence as well as some independence. And those combined, um, not at the expense of the other, are what we're going for. And so, you know, it's, is it easy? No, it's not easy because they're orient, each are orientated, oriented in a certain way. And so it's not easy for the anxious individual to not be, you know, constantly reaching out. It's not easy for them. It's not easy for the avoidant to think of other. They're not oriented that way. But in order to, if they really want to make something work, the relationship work, that's the work they have to do. So it's a very simple concept. You know, it's like, oh, very simple concept. Avoidant person needs to be thinking of the other person. The, in, the uh, or sorry, the, yeah, the avoid it. And the anxious one needs to be coming back home more and stop everything being about the other person. Um, those are simple concepts, but they're not easy. Um, so yeah. that's the work. And that's why, you know, in relation, like coming back to what I said of like having a couples counselor to help navigate those things um, is, is help is going to be more success, hopefully make, make you be more successful as well as when we're in, when we're dysregulated, meaning, uh, you know, we're, we're stressed in whatever fashion, we're upset, angry, sad, whatever. Those are the times where human beings don't, they, they don't, they lose their frontal cortex, which is what makes us human beings. And they become more reptilian, they're more in the back of their, their limbic brain and they begin to act poorly. Uh, they begin to act as though they're in survival. And so if that's the case, they're going to default to their one person system. Um, and so there's a whole, you know, it's, 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 you know, we talked about arousal regulation in the, I think in the first episode of like the three tenets of pact of arousal regulation brain, you know, or neuroscience and attachment, all of those are going to be at play of like, oh, we're back in the limbic system of the brain. That's the neurobiology. We are aroused. That's the arousal regulation. And then the attachment system is, oh, we're going back to, you know, what we knew to survive. Um, and so all of that comes into play and it, it doesn't bode well for collaboration. And so it's even in those times, how are you guys going to still work together? Which is challenging. Yeah. It's very challenging. Yeah. So, so in summary, again, quick little like homework tips for people that are in those different attachment styles. I think you mentioned like journaling 
um, for, for someone, but give us like some quick hits that maybe we can go and work on ourselves if we want to sort of practice. Yeah. I mean, I think for, you know, the, for the, um, anxious, it would be to try to say no in a, uh, not in a reactive resentment way. It's like just practicing saying no, sitting with yourself of like what happens for you in your body? What sensations do you feel? What feelings are you feeling? What are you telling yourself? What are the, you know, the scripts that are going on? Um, writing those things down, sitting with yourself anytime that you have, maybe you have some emotion that's uncomfortable and all you want to do is pick up the phone and talk to your best friend or whatever, or your girlfriend or, or, you know, friend, it's like, oh, how about trying this time not doing that, seeing what comes up, seeing what, uh, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations are writing about that. You will gain and, and just, or just sitting with yourself, wrapping, you know, like I said, wrapping yourself in a blanket, uh, soothing yourself. What are you going to do to get through this? Um, you know, anxiously avoidant, uh, um, anxiously attached individuals are not, that's not their forte. They're not mm-hmm. great at soothing. Um, they need, they get soothing from external objects, i.e. people. Um, so, you know, anything that is like come home or if they're with their partner of like, how can I invite connection because they really want connection? Um, How can I invite it, but also be okay if my partner isn't up for it right then? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and doing that again with not resentful, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, hey, you want to come over here and sit next to me? I'm going to read my book. Um, I'd love for you to join me. If not, that's okay. And then actually being okay and being okay, just reading your book and not sitting there and waiting for that person to come, like actually being okay. Um, so that would be the anxiously attached one. And then the avoidant, it's that, uh, you know, really thinking about what does my partner need? What does... um how can I offer them connection? How can I make them know that I'm thinking about them? Um, how can I talk, maybe even talking in we language um, that that can orient them towards a two-person system? Um, you know, I think a lot of times realizing for them of like, oh, wow, like I'm not a good I'm not a good partner because of this coping strategy that I have. And kind of realizing that and wanting their partner to like, oftentimes, I mean, hopefully we both, we all do, but they really just want their partner to be happy. And if they're like, oh, I can change this by beginning to think about what's good for them rather than just what's good for me. Um, Keeping agreements, not just defaulting to whatever I want to do when I want to do it. um, That's going to benefit me. So really just what does it mean to be a team? What does it mean to be a good team player? Um, What kind of man or woman do I want to be in relationships such that I am pulling my weight? I am keeping agreements. I am collaborative. I am somebody that I would be first picked if I, you know, if somebody were making a team. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's a good analogy. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, there are some comments in the chat about codependency. I feel like that could be its own 
episode. So we're not going to dig into that right now, but there is some talk about how does that come into play um, when we talk about being a team player or being a solo operator. And uh, maybe that's something that we can dig into in a future episode. Oh, yeah. Because I feel Um, like that's not a quick answer. It's it's not, but uh, I would just say uh, as a as a general overview, like again, take this with a grain of salt. Teaser, Gener- give us a teaser for yeah. next time. Generally speaking, uh, people who have an avoidant attachment style are more apt to gravitate towards addictions, um, and people with an anxious attachment style are more apt to be the codependent of those relationships and, and kind of fuel the addiction on some, you know, not like, not as a blaming thing, but they are part of that system in that way. They're the codependent. I can see that. that. Yeah. That would be the teaser. Okay, Yeah. cool. And we, and we still don't have set in stone uh, future episode um, topics, except for when we meet later on and, and talk about them. So if you guys have, um, suggestions on what you want us to talk about, please leave a comment on our YouTube channel or hit us up on, uh, Instagram at live, live at live happily ever awesome. And, uh, we will see you next week. Can I just say one thing? Of, of course. Um, so there's, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right. Cat, Cattery, uh, yeah. Um, you know, says, you know, my ex and I tried couples therapy, but I think it was too far gone. We go to our own therapy and our great co-parents and best friends just didn't work together. Um, like my, my question, and, and I don't want to like, you know, have you, you know, outed or anything, you know, if it's too vulnerable, but I'm just wondering what didn't, what didn't work together? What, what got in the way? Um, what what would she say um, didn't didn't work? What was the what the what was the crux? Because it's there's something there that is very interesting to me. Of like, oh, they they. I mean, it's sometimes it doesn't work, right? It it just doesn't. Um, it's not a what Chuck Roller would say is a love connection, but mm-hmm. um, but great co-parents. It it it's a that's wonderful in the sense of it shows that they can work together. So I'm, I'm curious as to, um, was it just too much resentment, too much, um, you know, too many bad memories, too many, you know, that they, that they just couldn't get over, or was it just like love is lost and we, you know, we love one another's best friends and, and it's just not a, a love connection kind of thing, you know? So it's, I'm just curious about that and certainly don't want to out anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure if she's still listening either. So hopefully we'll get her back at some point and and she can ask or call in next time. We can do that too. Are anxious and codependent, are anxious codependent or is this very different? Oh, kind of answered that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. You said that the avoidance are most likely to be the addicts and and the opposite for the anxious. Now that isn't to say that uh, everyone who's anxiously attached is sure. codependent or everyone who's avoidant is an addict or, you know, but those are when those things appear in relationships, that's what tends to be the pattern. 
So very interesting, all this attachment stuff. I love that we get into that every time too, because I think people really want to understand that. Um, and the more, the more we talk about it, the more familiar people get with it and can sort of work on their own attachment styles and sort of deal with the things that might be, you know, holding them back or keeping them from having more success in their relationship. Yeah. And I think I would say overall, and this goes for individual stuff as well as relational stuff is if you're comfortable, you're not, you're probably not, you're doing the thing that is right for you. If you're doing things that feel uncomfortable or hard, then you're probably doing the thing that is right for your partner and taking care of them. That's oftentimes how it goes. So just, you know, it's like, if you're, you just think about it, if you're comfortable in your individual therapy, you're probably not growing because, mm. you know, we only really grow when it's like, Oh, this, this doesn't feel good. I want to, I want to change this. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of like CrossFit. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I hate rowing. I hate but you got to do it. <laughs> I died yesterday. I'm, I'm glad to say that I'm actually alive today, but yesterday I died. Oh, that's, yeah. I'm glad you're alive. Yeah. Reincarnation. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we will wrap up. We will see everyone next week, same day, same time, Wednesday at noon Eastern, nine Pacific. We might have to change that actually. We might oh, change okay. it to, yeah, we'll, we'll Stay keep tuned. in touch. Yeah. Oh, see, we have, we have staff meetings on, on YouTube, just like uh, the Clydesdale Media. Love it. Okay, guys. Well, you take care. Julie, thanks again for joining Thank us. You. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.